0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. Yes. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) We continue this series that we entitled the gospel of God and is based on the book of Romans. How many of you have been uh, during the last two Sundays that we started it? Okay, now be brutally honest with me. How many of you are reading the book of Romans right now? Okay, a few hands. Hey, I encourage you to start reading that book because it really will enhance your, your understanding and study because you'd be able to dive into it and maybe unpack every single verse because we're not doing it here. We're trying to extract the logic of Paul that he put in this epistle to present the gospel of God. And we have looked at the first chapter, second chapter, and today I'm going to give a short review of the first two chapters, what we've looked at, and I'm going to look at what Paul is addressing in chapter 3. And it's important for us and it's relevant for us. So some of the things to remind you, Paul has never met these guys. He's writing to the people have never met. He has never met. They have never met him. They have never interacted personally. So they're believers. And remember the funny thing about that church? Historically, it's known that this church was one congregation composed of two distinct groups of people. Do you remember that? One is Jewish, one is non-Jewish. And there is a tension between them. And if you remember that historic fact, it will be easy for you to understand when you read read through the book (coughs) of Romans. Why is it you feel like almost Paul is switching between those two groups? And he does. It's almost like one one side of the congregation is... (coughs) We decided that this side would be pay, heathens, right? Ex-heathens, uh, headed by Neil. And uh, the Jewish side would be, well, let me choose a leader for a Jewish side, Steve. Steve would be the main Jew. All right. And Paul keeps doing this. He's, he, he keeps addressing. Sometimes he speaks to all of them, and sometimes he speaks specifically to one of them. <clears throat> so he, he begins, and he introduces himself. He says, I'm set apart by God unto the gospel. I'm all about the gospel and I heard about you guys and I heard about your faith and you're amazing and I really long to come and visit you but for now until now I haven't been able to so let me just write this letter to you. I still hope to come and visit you but let me write this letter to you and introduce the gospel. He said I am not ashamed of the gospel for this is the power of God to salvation of everyone who believes." I'm not ashamed. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is being revealed. The gospel is translated as good news, very good news. He said, So I'm ready to preach the gospel to you guys. Here it is, here it comes. Here's the good news the righteousness of God is being revealed to that. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against every ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. Paul, I thought you were going to start start talking about good news and paul here 's the thing we, 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 we saw that the good news includes bad news. you cannot appreciate and embrace the goodness of God manifested in the good news if you do not if you 're not willing to embrace the painful and bitter truth about yourself that 's part of the gospel and Paul being a Uh, genius diagnostician I finally learned this word in English Uh, uh, you know English is not my native language for those of you who who are here for the first time I wasn't born in this country I wasn't born in Ohio but I got here as soon as I could I told you that Uh, so Paul being a genius diagnostician he points to the root problem and he says guys I know you're Jews I know you're Gentiles I know you're Jews But it doesn't really matter because the problem that is addressed in the gospel is a universal problem. It's being separated from God. And it happened eons ago when the first man and the first woman took the forbidden fruit. And we inherited that state of things when you're separated from God. And he continues and he begins to describe this downward spiral process of degradation and moral decay that starts with this separated being separated from God he says here's the thing guys we face the wrath of God which is an experiential reality because we are worshipers we're created to worship we cannot not worship we can't help we are created To direct our hearts to something that we would adore, we would be filled with, and we would express outside. That's what worship is. And he said, you're wired this way. You cannot exist any other way. But because you got separated from God, your worship got misplaced. And when your worship got misplaced and you begin to worship not real God, who is the creator of everything, but creation instead of creator, your heart gets hard." your heart gets dark, your mind gets dark, and your heart ultimately becomes a soil with seeds planted in them. And those seeds, I called the seeds of hell. And those seeds are there. And when they sprout, we begin to experience hell on earth. Let me read. And he he actually, Paul is on Paul is known for giving list of things list of virtues and list of vices and he finishes chapter one with this list I didn't get a chance to read it to you the first time I preached and I'm going to read it today so it's it's found in chapter one verses 29 through 31 here's his list those are the seeds of hell and when they sprout you find yourself in hell he said they're filled remember the worship thing they're getting filled and they express it. They're filled with, with all manner of unrighteousness, <clears throat> evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless ruthless. Can you imagine live, can you imagine a life surrounded by people like that? That's hell. We are people. We are these people. We do have those seeds of hell inside of our hearts. And if they're not addressed, if they're not dealt with, they will sprout. And then when they'll sprout, we will have life that we would call hell. And that's what the nature of the wrath of God. When we live in a way that is against the very DNA of God inbuilt into the fabric of creation. Does it make sense? The very creation itself, even you being part of created world, become a contradiction of God's nature, and there is a clash, and you don't want to be in the middle of that clash. That's the wrath of God. Well, anyway, I'm I'm not going to dwell and camp there too much. So, then paul turns to jewish side of the congregation i forgot where's the jewish side that steve steve is the main rabbi so he turns to jewish side of congregation specifically and those jews when paul is giving this hard time talking about the vices and all this moral decay these guys go amen yes amen because they don't really apply to themselves steve doesn't even think that this has to do with him he thinks it's all about neil and Paul turns away from that side of the congregation, turns to Steve and says, Steve, it's about you, dude. <laughs> Seriously. He wants to pull the rag out from underneath them, to pull the whatever you call it, right? The, yeah. So these guys are in full agreement with them, with him so far, but they don't apply it to themselves, they apply it to Gentile believers. So they don't think it applies to them. They're not idolaters. They don't misplace their worship. They know true God. They worship God, right? Well, wishful thinking. They're Jews. They're special covenant people of God. They think Paul has given the bad news to Gentiles, and he's going to give a good news to them. That's the gospel. And Paul said, no, 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 no. He said, Paul specifically talks to Jewish people, and he's not flattering them and he is bursting their bubble sorry steve kaboom bubble is burst burst it. he says the gospel is the good news from god and it's universal it's god's answer to all of humanity's problem there is no exception it comes across the board it is god's answer to all humanity jews and gentiles alike men and women rich and poor wise and simple the gospel is for everybody all right sorry Steve (laughs) I never picked on him before how could I not he stands out (laughs) well so Paul is trying to build a whole new way of thinking in them especially in Jewish people and he really really targets jewish people in chapter three chapter two and chapter three so i'm going to read chapter two verses 17 through 21 and i'm going to use the new king james bible so here's the problem it's harder to receive the fullness of the gospel when you hold on to something that you consider to be very valuable and it's really hard not to value something that gives you a feeling of belonging a long Profound historic tradition, rich spiritual inheritance or heritage, whatever you call it. You know, and it's it was a real problem back then, and it is a still a problem now. A lot of us I we identify ourselves with Christian culture, Christian tradition, biblical knowledge, biblical understandings, principles, and we become this kind of Jews, seriously. So Paul is addressing this problem. So chapter 2, verses 17 through 21, I'm going to read it. Indeed, you are called a Jew. So now he forgets about that side of the congregation. He begins to talk to these guys. And he says, indeed, you are a Jew. That's what you're called. He said, you're called a Jew. And you rest on the law. And you make your boast in God. And you know his will. It's all good, guys, right? That's your identity. That's what you feel who you are. And you approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and you're confident. Those Jews were confident, they knew what they're talking about. You're confident, and you yourself, you believe that you're a guide to the blind, and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor to foolish, a teacher of babes, having form of knowledge and truth in the law. In the Bible and he ends this way you therefore who teach another do you not teach yourself they're so immersed in their identity as a Jew that they actually ceased to be able to be brutally honest with themselves look at their life look at the life of their ancestors in the Bible and realize we're as idolaters You know, we are dollars as much as the Gentiles are. That's our story. We have those seeds of hell inside of our hearts as much as those guys. Yes, we do have the Bible. Yes, we do have the knowledge. And he's addressing that. And I'm telling you guys, here in America in the 21st century, it's as relevant as it was back then. Paul addresses this false and misleading confidence. There's a true confidence of the gospel and Paul wants to establish it for them, but there is a false, misleading confidence that is based on your religion affiliation. You know, there are two primary, two principal dangers in identifying yourself fully with certain religion, even if it's a Christian biblical religion. First one, you base your stand with God on your affiliation. Like, and that's that's true, you know, that's true. If you talk to anybody outside, of this church and you start bringing God into conversation, as soon as you bring God in relationship with Him, you know what you're going to hear? Oh yeah, I was raised as Catholic. Oh yeah, I was, as a kid, I was in a Sunday school in the Baptist church. Oh yeah, I was baptized. Oh yeah, I go to this church or that church. Oh yeah, I'm a pastor. Who cares? I'm asking about your relationship with the Lord. Somehow the answer is their affiliation with something. You know, some of you are new to our church. We're so glad you're here. We're, we're happy. But please please don't make it your stand with God. Don't make it the basis of your interaction and relationship with God. Don't expect that you belonging to here coming, raising your hands, worshiping, raising your voice is the basis for God to look with a smile on you. You're going to experience the wrath of God, dude. I'm sorry. I'm telling you the gospel, truth that includes the bad news and the good news too but that's that's easy to understand but there is a second danger there is even more profound and let me try to try to get it across the second danger in this religious false certainty is a false security in the biblical knowledge it's a belief That possessing the truth of the scriptures enables us to save ourselves. You know what you're doing? You're turning the Bible into an idol. Some of you are like, what's going on? It's it's heresy. It smells like heresy. (laughs) No, it's not. Jesus said that to Pharisees. Guys, here's the thing. You know, he... (laughs) And he gives them this rant based on their own Bible, telling them that that they're as sinful, as unrighteous as Gentiles. He's quoting them their own Bible in chapter 3. A lot of it. So it's a belief that as long as you have a proper understanding of this book and a proper application of this book to your life, you're going to save yourself from whatever you need to be saved from into whatever you want to be saved into. You know it's not the gospel it's a self-help industry christian version of it but still you don't need a savior if all you need is your brain and this book and highlighter hey here we go and you people are so gullible you go and pay money to big name preachers because they claim that they can teach you principles that will bring the best life for you that you can ever have it's a big fat lie I'm sorry. I mean, am I saying there are not useful information in this book? No, I'm not saying that. There's plenty. But you still need a Savior. (laughs) You can't save yourself. So Paul wants to destroy this false foundation in order to establish the right foundation. And now he's coming to the right foundation. And let me find it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not finished with the bad news yet for Jews, for Steve. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it, he starts so well. He, he scolds those sins and unrighteousness and ungodliness. And those Jewish people say, hey, man, hey, man, that's, that's right. Take that, Gentile believers. And Paul turns to them and said, no, 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 no. It's about you. And let me tell you. And he begins to tell them that. And here's how he finishes. It's almost insulting it's so politically incorrect in chapter 2 Jewish preacher speaking to Jewish believers he says chapter 2 verse 28 and 29 for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly nor is circumcision outward and physical but a true Jew is one inwardly and the circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit not by the letter you see what he's saying you got the right book all right but it doesn't change your inside your heart is still callous and unable to perceive and to be sensitive to the move of God's spirit on this earth there needs to be a surgery done by the Holy Spirit of God and that's how he begins to start preaching a good news so basically to receive the gospel You need a total annihilation, a total destruction of all false foundations in your life. You need to become so poor that you would be able to receive grace. In the book of James, it says, God resists those who are prideful or proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You know, the most humble person who knows that he has nothing, he can do nothing about his condition this person is is able is is capable of accepting and receiving and Paul begins to to give them a good news I mean he thoroughly insulted his Jewish brothers by now and in chapter 3 Paul continues talking to Jewish believers and he is finally asking this question chapter 3 verse 9 through 11 what then are we Jews any better off New King James translation says, are we any better than them? And of course those Jews, before Paul began their, his speech, they would say, of course we're better. And he says, no. Are we better? He said, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Even you, Steve, Sorry. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one has the fear of God before their eyes. No one's heart is circumcised yet. Apart from Christ. And now he comes to the good news. And I'm so glad. So he says, there's no exception. We're all affected and infected by sin. Both Jews and Gentiles. I like the illustration of one minister gave. He said, if a sin... If the sin would be blue, color blue, everybody and everything we do would have some some taint or shade of blue. I mean, some of you would be like dark navy blue. Some of you would be like royal blue. Some of you would be like a light heavenly blue, but still blue. Okay, Pastor Neil ruined it for me. And I'm going to ruin it for you. And you don't blame me, you blame him, all right? We were together... (laughs) and i don't know how it how we started this conversation all of a sudden he felt uh inspiration to share some of the things he recently got from the netflix documentary or something and he said hey listen do you know the public swimming pools i said yes he said do you know that specific smell that they have when they put this chemical to clean the water chlorine or whatever you call it chlorine she said, you know that smell, that strong smell prominent in swimming pools? I said, yeah. She said, you know, it only smells like that when there's urine in the water. Because that, that's a byproduct of the chemical reaction that happens of this cleaning chemical. With, do you know he ruined it for me forever? I, like, how in the world am I going to come to any public swimming pool, smell that thing and get in? No way. And this I. <laughs> And I thought, you know, it must be true because every time I'm visiting somebody's private house, or the private, it never smells like that. So people don't urinate in their own swimming pools, I guess. <laughs> for, some feel, for some reason, they feel freedom and liberty to do it in the public. Well, anyway, what I'm saying is like the, the problem is so pervasive. It's like just imagine there are no places to swim, only public swimming pools, and they're all full of that. You don't swim in that. You don't swallow that water, please don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's gross, but Neil ruined it for me. I passed it on from a senior pastor. So, so the problem is so pervasive, it's like we're all on Titanic. And Gentiles are like in a cheap, bad, small cabins or whatever you call those little rooms. And the, And Jewish people are like enjoying the deck, but they're all going to this iceberg that is about to crush them. And they all perish. Enjoy your ride seriously that's how pervasive the problem is and that's Paul point so he, he proves he points the pervasiveness of the problem of sin to them and now he wants to talk about the seriousness of it because please don't take sin lightly and flippantly like oh yeah I'm just a human everybody's just no, we're not perfect we're not talking about that I know you're not perfect you don't have to prove that to me I've seen that I'm talking about sin a dead deadly disease that kills you and that can destroy you forever. And this deadly disease could only be addressed by a deadly weapon. And Paul begins to shift their attention to this deadly weapon that God himself applied to the problem of sin, yours and mine, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, wise and fools. And he begins to speak about it in chapter 3 beginning from verse 21 21 first part of verse 21 but now the righteousness of God has been revealed has been manifested apart from the law say with me apart from the law the law represents any effort of yours in the religion realm to, to make God smile at you, to, to cause God, to trigger God, to make God approve of you, to bring the favor of God back to you, to remove the wrath of God, and to bring yourself under the approval of God. That's religion. And he said, <laughs> he said, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from that. And that's what he was doing, talking to those Jewish believers. He was going to destroy their connection. Because they couldn't get over the thought that you can get a favor of God without trying hard to keep the law. Do you understand? And He said, that's not how it works, guys. It works differently. It works apart from the law. Let's keep on reading. Verses 22 through 26. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Where's the main Gentile? <laughs> you got converted? You got converted, dude. You, you're not supposed to do that. You ruined my sermon now. Well, anyway. <laughs> okay, shalom, shalom. <laughs> so he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, Jews and Gentiles. And they are Justified, listen to this. They all sin, there are no exception, and they're all justified in the same way by His grace as a gift. By His grace as a gift, I can tell you, dude, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. It's a gift. Stop working hard to pay for something that is a gift. Receive a gift by grace as a gift, righteousness of God. Woohoo! The only problem you don't experience is that you still hold on to something that is, that is still of your own efforts, that is still of your own trying, that is still of your own attempts to prove something to God or to people. He said, true Jew is the one who has this work of the Spirit on his heart and receives the approval of God, not of man. (laughs) When you're affiliated too tightly with any group of Christians or Jews or whatever, any religious group, you value their appraisal so high, so you lose the interaction with the Spirit of God that gives His smile to you. Because He receives you as a gift of god's grace and it's not groundless it's based on something and paul talks about it i'm sorry guys i'm, I'm getting excited today i only slept three hours but i want to get the gospel to you dude i want to get the gospel to you and he says listen here's the basis for that gift of grace he says for all have sinned and fell f- fall short of the glory of God and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ and this verse next verse is very key verse and Gentiles will not understand it they'll have to get some explanation for Jews verse 25 he says whom God Jesus Christ whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Let me ask you a question. When I say the word propitiation, what comes to your mind? I, what? Payment? Somebody else? What is it? Sacrifice? So you guys are speaking religious language. Okay, cool. That's cool. So Gentiles did the same thing. Because they, all Gentiles had all kinds of religion backgrounds before. And they had a, an idea of what sacrifice is. Sacrifice is there to placate angry God. It's to bargain. It's to bribe. It's to do something so that God, instead of his bad side, will give you his good side. Paul did not want the same logic to be applied to God the Father who sent his Son. God the Father doesn't need to be placated. God the Father loves you so much. And when he said this word propitiation, he spoke in Greek these guys all spoke in Greek and he wrote this word, Helisterion. And Jewish people, Jewish side of the congregation go, wow. And the Gentiles go, what? Why do they go, wow? We don't get it. So here's what they needed to know. The most popular Bible of that time, just like in the 20th century America, what was the most popular Bible? King James Bible. So in that time in that, pretty much in all Roman Empire, the most popular Bible version for all the synagogues in all the early churches was Septuagint. Have you heard of this name? Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Bible. And the word helisterion, which is translated as propitiation, used 20 times. Not as a general concept, but as a very specific technical term. You know what it denotes? it denotes the golden cover of the ark of covenant with two cherubs very specific thing that's why jewish side of the congregation go wow he said your religion is crap here's what god is going to meet you god in the old testament in types and shadows would meet people in the heart of their temple the temple had many layers and many areas it had an outer court Anybody could visit outer court. It had a holy place, holy sanctuary, holy place, and the holy of holies. And there, there was a bunch of precautions that needed to be taken so that people would come. And at the very heart of that secret room was this golden box, box and overlaid, made of acacia a wood, I think, overlaid with gold, two cherubim were, And only once a year, a high priest had to come in with the blood of sacrificial animal and sprinkle his blood seven times and then god would speak back and god would exercise forbearance for their sins actually he speaks in that passage about the same thing so jewish people had a very good understanding at that moment gentiles not so much but i hope they explained it to them later so so whom god put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show god's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he's talking about the old testament times divine forbearance when the blood of sacrificial animals was like a uh, type and shadow of things to come which was christ jesus he said in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he which is god might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so halasterion propitiation is a specific place where god would meet his covenant people would manifest his reality his presence his love his character he would give he would give them their his guidance that's what Jesus has become for us today. He's, he's our place where heaven meets the earth. He's the very place where we can be declared righteous and he can speak to us directly. He can do the surgery, the circumcision of the heart and our heart become sensitive again. So that's why I expect to see miracles in, in our lifetime, a lot of them, because we have Halisterion, we have propitiation, we have the true spot, specific spot on this earth where God meets humanity, where, where He speaks, where He manifests His glory. Hey, are you excited about it, Ardol? Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm taking some time, but I'll be. Like, how many of you knew that, that this is in the book of Romans? Oh, some of you did. That's awesome. But like a lot of people, like just read it, hey, whatever. Yeah, uh, propitiation. Yeah, and I want you to understand something, and I'll try. I'll wrap it up, but I want you to understand something. So when Gentiles heard about it, and the word propitiation, I look at the uh, English dictionary, and in English dictionary, that's what it says about word propitiation. The meaning of propitiation is the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of someone or something the act of propitiating appeasement the action of propitiating or appeasing a god spirit or a person and so gentiles as i told you before they knew that because before they begin to before they became believers christians they had some background right and they were they were familiar with uh, sacrificing animals and shedding blood but they were doing it to medicate God, basically. It was a trade deal. I give you chicken, you give me rain for my crops to grow. That's simple terms. <clears throat> Jewish believers, they knew God is different. Because the concept of shedding blood so that you may live has been traced all the way to to, their, to, to, to Forever. It's been traced back to the temple as just like I described it to you. But even the nation of Israel began with Abraham. You know that, right? When God called Abraham, he said, I want to enter into a special relationship with you. I want to make a covenant. Literally, translation is to cut the covenant. And you know what God had Abraham do? To take, I don't remember, was it a cow or an oxen? He had to slaughter it split it into two halves along the spine, put those two halves of the animal, and he had to walk through that. And God had to walk as a fire through that. And that's how they united in a covenant relationship. And even before that, when we go all the way back to to the beginning, Adam and Eve, when they have sinned, the first thing they felt is their they're ashamed and they're afraid. They're naked. They want to hide. And they try to cover themselves with the leaves of fig tree. And when God appeared, he said, what's going on? They said, we are afraid. We are ashamed. We feel that we're, we're not sufficient. We're not up to, to be with you on the same level. And he said, what is it on you? He said, we try to cover ourselves. That's always been the story of mankind. We try to cover ourselves god said take it off i'm gonna give you different clothes he gave them a skins of the animal that was killed for the first time in the history of mankind they saw death and that was a reference of what he's gonna do you know he he slaughtered that animal he killed that animal he shed that blood not because he hated them or this animal do you understand that It was a precaution to keep them, to preserve them. He kicked them out. He exiled them from the Garden of Eden, not because he hated them or rejected them. If you read carefully, it was to save them because if in that fallen condition they would touch the tree of life, they would perish forever. He didn't want that. This whole system of worship in the temple, there was a complicated procedure of cleaning of a high priest. To get to that place where the covenant ark was, where the blood was, it was a precaution. It was to save. I work at a place where they have a high-voltage electricity, and I know one thing. I'm not supposed to try to fix it when something is broken. Don't mess up with power. High-voltage electricity, I know they studied it profoundly and profusely. Until today, they don't understand a lot of things about it. They have this weird thing what is the name of it flashes or surges of like it just happens nobody knows why it doesn't matter how many layers of protection you have this power sometimes manifests itself in such a way that it's just a big risk that's why they they, they they're paid big money because you can't control it so in the same way God is so holy and so powerful so when we fell he loves us so much but every cell of our being was blue now tainted with sin and if we would just approach him every cell would explode because every cell of our being would be contradiction of his being and he didn't want that as i was thinking about it i remember the story that happened to a friend of mine it was a family and they really wanted to have a child and they couldn't get pregnant and finally they got pregnant that was such a great news but then something began to go wrong with with her body with the mother's body and the doctor said, it's a rare thing, but it, sometimes it happens. I'm not a doctor, so please forgive me if I, do, if I <clears throat> you know, refer to it wrong. But how she explained it to me, she said, basically what began to happen, my body, she said, began to respond to the baby inside of me as, as, a, as an intrusion, as, as a foreign object in me. And my body, my immune system began to fight the baby, trying to kill the baby. Because it was like a strong allergy reaction, and the baby began to fight baby's body, baby's system began to fight the mother's system, and they nearly died. So it was very tragic. By the miracle of modern medicine, she was born. Today she's in her 20s. They love each other. It's a wonderful relationship. But all throughout the pregnancy, it was a struggle. It was a fight. Nobody knew who's going to win, who's going to die. Multiplied by a million. that's you and God. He loves you so much. He longs for you to be there. He wants you. He wanted you always. Yet you got yourself into a situation when it just, his allergy reaction to sin can kill you. And he doesn't want that to happen. That's why he himself provided, provided a way. He himself pointed out to, to the death, to the sacrifice. And you know whose life was that, that was paid for your life to be preserved? His own. Never take God as a schizophrenic or bloodthirsty criminal who sent a child to die on behalf of another child. He, in Jesus Christ, that's Him Himself. He became one of us. He came into this world and He died for us so that we won't have to. And now we can receive the gift of God's grace. We can receive the gift of God's grace. Please get rid of your religious residual, whatever you call it. I call it crap. Get rid of it. Begin to believe the gospel. Receive the gospel. Acknowledge that you're poor. Agree with God that it's all condemned, no matter how well you are. We're all blue. We all smell like chlorine. Just, Just be okay with that so that you can receive the abundance of grace. I went uh, in my work, I was helping a guy, and he did know me, so he started talking to me, and he really appreciated the help, and he said, hey, what's your name, da, da, da. we talked, and he detected my accent, he said, where do you come from, I said, from Russia, and he said, what brought you to Springfield, and I started telling my story, and I, I was, I came here because of my church connections, oh, as soon as he heard church, immediately, he, he threw his, like, oh, yeah, I was raised as a, he gave me the name of the church, and he said, it's so cool to see you because so many people talk the talk, but only a few walk the walk. I said, you know what? Being a Christian is not about walking the walk. Being a Christian is about adoring Christ. I can be the biggest jerk in Clark County on a regular basis, and I don't care. Because it's not about me. It's about the propitiation that Christ became for me. When you adore him like that, he begins to do the surgery on your heart, and the reality of God's goodness and presence becomes real. And I'm done, guys. And I just want to remember this song. I, I put it. I love this song. I thought it's an old hymn, but it actually is not an old hymn. I don't know. Have we ever sang this song? Maybe we'll sing it sometimes. It's up to the west But I love the lyrics. Maybe you heard this song. It goes like this. Where, where, maybe it doesn't go like this. Oh, it does go like this because I put it in here. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit VineyardNorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.